Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. As a longtime foreign correspondent, I've worked in lots of places, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I'm Jane Perlez, former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. Join me on my new podcast, Face Off, U.S. versus China where I'll take you behind the scenes in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. Find Face Off wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everyone. I'm Ann Bogle, and this is What Should I Read Next, Episode 3. Welcome to the show that's dedicated to answering the question that plagues every reader. What should I read next? We don't get bossy on this show. What we will do here is give you the information you need to choose your next read. Every week, we'll talk all things books and reading and do a little literary matchmaking with one guest. Before we do that, I wanted to let you guys know that the What Should I Read Next show is now on Instagram. That's right. What You Should Read Next is also the next Instagram account you should follow. You can find us at What Should I Read Next, where we'll post up about the show. Obviously, good books, but also information about the people I'm talking to, peeks behind the scenes, and much, much more. So definitely go check that out. Today's guest is JC Verdicchio, a fellow podcaster with a fantastic show herself called Around the Table. On it, she and co-host Maggie McDerris talk food, intentional living, hospitality, and all the ups and downs of life as 20-something ladies. JC and I have a great conversation about her love of reading and how it relates to the book she chooses. So settle in and enjoy my conversation with JC. JC, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. This is such a fun treat. Well, I feel like I've known you for a while now, and many listeners probably feel like they know you from reading your blog, but especially from listening to you on the podcast you do with your friend Maggie called Around the Table. Sometimes you talk books on the podcast, but today we get to talk all books. JC, and all the time I've known you, we've been passing book recommendations back and forth, but we've never talked in detail about your reading life, like in the big picture sense. So tell me, this is kind of a, a big lofty one, make of it what you will, but why do you read? What are you looking for when you pick up a book? So why do I read? I, I think I would say for a few reasons. Uh, now that I'm not in school anymore and I'm just an adult doing adult things, it's one of those leisure activities that at the same time feels sort of productive. Like I am reading, I am doing something that's good for my brain, but yet that you don't get the same effect from like watching six hours of Netflix. It's still really fun and enjoyable. That's great to hear. And I love hearing the variety of reasons why people read, but I completely relate to yours. So let me explain what we're going to talk about. You're going to tell me three books you love, one book you hate, and what you've been reading lately. And then we'll talk about what you should read next. Let's start with your favorite. What's the first book you love? Okay, I'm so excited about this. So my favorite novel of all time is Me Before You by mm -hmm. Jojo Moyes. And do you want me to tell you why I love it? Oh my it? gosh, absolutely I do. <laughs> okay. Um, I have never had 
the experience that I had reading this book, uh, just the emotional response to it. I, I don't know. I tend, it's really hard for me to get that invested in character and into, into a book as I did Mm -hmm. with that book, at least not since like the, where the red fern grows in sixth grade. Oh, Um, oh my gosh. Um, yes, that, both have you like curled up on the floor bawling at the end. I totally get what you mean. Yeah, I still I remember so vividly because, you know, when you have a really strong emotion, you can kind of picture where you were in that moment. And I remember so strongly reading this book. Uh, it was like a summer afternoon when I was getting to the end of it and uh, just sitting on my couch. And my husband was on the other part of the couch taking a nap. And he woke up because I was blowing my nose so loudly <laughs> and just like tears, tears streaming down my face and I remember him being like why would you want to put yourself through this and I was like this is such a beautiful experience (laughs) like clearly you don't understand me as a human if you don't understand what's amazing about this but um I don't at least you were at home there were women reading that at the pool this summer and I just wanted to go up to them they weren't they were approaching like the last third I wanted to go up to them and say like honey like just take that home you don't want to be reading that here you do not yeah because you really don't want to have to stifle your response you know you don't want to be at the pool trying to hold it together like you just want to let that all out it's very cathartic (laughs) so I loved it because of that emotional side but also um I love that she wrote these characters in such a way that even though I could not relate to them in terms of my, our life circumstances, you know, I had never been in any situation close to what they were at, but she wrote them so well that you could feel what they were feeling. Um, And I think, you know, a good book can let you maybe visit like another time and place, but a masterful book is able to make it resonate with you so emotionally that you actually feel like you've changed after you finished it. And that is how I felt about me before you. Yes. And it's eerie to me how similar I know, you know, Jamie Golden. Um, She also chose me before you before you, you know, like you didn't know that was one of her picks when you um, told me that. And she said the same thing. Like there's magic in a book that can produce such a visceral response you know like have you weeping on the floor okay yes yes and we are totally different people too I mean I know Jamie well and I we laugh all the time at like how different we are and like how we think about things and so that's an even bigger testament to how good this book is um that we both loved it as much as we did okay now you're not going to choose 11 63 next like she did are you because that would just be creepy no, no. Actually, I haven't gotten all the way through that one. That's one that I sort of abandoned. Um, not really on purpose. It was more that I was like, oh, yeah, um, I was sort of plugging away at it and then never finished it. So apparently it didn't catch me as it did her. OK, well, I'm sure she'll be on you about that. OK, yeah, what what is your second book if it's not Stephen King? Okay, I included Bittersweet by Shauna Nequist because I wanted a representation of memoir because I love memoir. Um, I'm a big fan of lots of different memoirs, but I like, I'm including hers again, kind of for the same like emotional resonance factor mm-hmm. um, because I feel like Shauna Nequist puts words into things, like she puts into words things that we have all felt or all feel, but maybe have thought like, oh, I wouldn't have 
like you know when you get that that me too kind of experience where you can yeah. say oh yes that's that's what mm-hmm. that is that's interesting I really like her writing as well um I do not remember say something I'm gonna go pull that book off my shelf yeah. and go check it out this afternoon but I do I I understand what you're saying when I love it when an author is able to articulate the swirling thoughts in my head in a way that's much better than I ever could. I love that experience when reading as well. Okay, so it was important for you to include a memoir. I'm taking notes. What about your third favorite? What is that? So Station Eleven is my third pick for a book I love, which I read this summer, and it kind of falls outside if it hadn't been recommended to me by multiple people Mm -hmm. then I might not have just picked it up you know just reading the product description I might have thought eh I don't know I'm not really into you know mass disaster and destruction and (laughs) for people um, who don't know tell us a little bit what what that one's about because I I wouldn't have picked it up either had I not heard gushing recommendations because it just didn't sound like the kind I don't I don't read post-apocalyptic novels yeah Mm -hmm. so tell us a little bit about what it is did you like it I did. I liked it so much. I really remember it for the writing. The writing was so strong and just some of her turns of phrases were so eloquent, but they weren't self-conscious like some writing that's really good. It just feels a little too like wink, wink. Don't you like that sentence I just wrote? And I never felt that with her. I just thought that the writing really served the story and was surprisingly beautiful and poetic given the fact that she's writing about like the demise of humanity. Yes. Can I, can I share a quote with you? Oh, please do. This one, and this could be kind of on the edge of what you're talking about, where Uh it's a little too, like it's, it's close. It's on that line. But, um, it says, first, we only want to be seen, but once we're seen, that's not enough anymore. After that, we want to be remembered. And I thought, so poignant, so true. I'll put that on my back burner while you tell me one book you hate. Okay, it's Everyone is Beautiful. Have you read that? I have. Okay, I did stick with this one through to the end, which is maybe why my feelings towards it are more negative because I felt like I, I invested, I, like I kept reading and I was expecting there to be some kind of nuance or a new idea or kind of a twist on this kind of cliche topic, but it wasn't. It was like the very typical story of a woman who loses herself when she's mothering her young children and like insert lots of self-deprecating things about her body and like personal hygiene and then she starts to transform personally and the family suffers and then she realizes she loves the family after all like I was just kind of like what this there's nothing new here like (laughs) I love the idea so much. And I will say, I know a lot of women who love that novel, not because it was new or original, but because they appreciated seeing their own lives reflected back to them in fiction. And I think that's the case for a lot of Catherine Center's writing. I wrote about it on my blog, and I think the post title is The Bored Housewife as Plot Point, because I feel like um, stay-at-home moms in the situation you described, you know, overwhelmed with the kids, no time for myself, not enough time to even take a shower, um, all their own interests sublimated to those of their kids, um, is a trope. It's not, uh, I, I can't think of any examples where it's done with nuance or yeah. where, and that's what it takes for a book to be interesting. I love the idea so much. I have hopes that one day someone will be able to do justice to that topic and that it will end in the uh, favorite section of this podcast. Um, now you read a lot. Tell me what you're reading right now. So this was one 
this was a rare time when I just saw something sitting out at my library when I was there to pick up another book and picked it up and just on the spot was like, sure, I'll try this out. I never do that. My library my library visits are like under three minutes. I park, I get in, I tell them I have a book on hold. <laughs> me my books and I leave. Mm-hmm. So I just, I don't normally browse the library. But anyway, the cover has this woman in this kind of like flapper hat with white gloves looking through um, binoculars. And I was like, oh, what's this? And it had like a cursive font that I liked. So, <laughs> you know, the important things. There so are like, worse oh, reasons. What is this? And I picked it up and the here I'll just read to you what the like first line of the book cover says it said the extraordinary debut novel blah blah is a contemporary American tragedy of breathtaking scope a dramatic story of pharmaceutical drug trials and Wall Street corruption of pride and prejudice of paranoia and office politics of inheritance influence class and power and I literally was like oh those are a lot of words that are interesting okay cool is that all the same book that's a lot of ground to cover it's a lot of they, and those are very interesting things, but I never would have put pharmaceuticals together with Pride and Prejudice. And you so, yeah, that that would that would intrigue me. And you might not also have thought that the woman in the center of the story is a seventy-five-year-old heiress who's uh, dealing with the decline because she has a Parkinson's-ish illness. Um, so. As I'm starting into it, I already feel like the author does not have the skill to tackle all of these subjects well. So that's why I think, eh, I don't know if I'm going to make it through. Do you, hmm, I find debut novels to be tricky. On the one hand, I love discovering a new author. And some debut novels have been in the making for 20 years and are fantastic. Some debut novels aren't actually even debuts. The author's published before in different genres. In some debut novels, I feel like that's code for, I don't know what I'm doing yet. I'm also reading Just Mercy by Brian Steen. In progress. Thumbs up, thumbs down, still thinking about it. I, I like Just Mercy. It's not an easy read, but it's so important. And I do really like seeing insight into things that I don't know about, especially things that are broken and that I feel, you know, as a citizen, it's important to know about. And so um, at some points, it's it's a heartbreaking read, but I'm glad I'm reading it. Okay. JC, I have ideas. I can't wait to hear what you think about them. But first, tell me, is there anything you want to be different in your reading life? Yes, two things. One, I would like to read more. That's just, I think everyone feels that way, that likes to read, that they wish they could read more. Well, it's not even could. I wish that I did read more because there's, I haven't trained myself yet to be really good about like when I have 10 minutes, you know, picking up a book. And so I would like to take those smaller chunks of time, um, make use of those. The other thing is I wish I was less susceptible to Amazon reviews. <laughs> oh, that's hard because they're designed for you to be susceptible to them. Well, and it, it's this is why I feel like it's I I don't want to waste time because I am a pretty slow reader. I'm not one of those people that speeds reads or like scan speed reads or scans over things like I read every word. So I'm, I'm kind of a slow reader and I don't want to waste time on a book that's not good. You know, like if it's I want to I only want to read things that are really quality and worth my time. 
And if I'm really honest, if I can just admit this to you, I'm interested to hear what you say about this, but I don't want to be caught liking something stupid. Like I want there to be smart people who have said like this is a worthy book. And if you like it, you are a smart person. Is that terrible? It's common. No, it's not terrible to feel that way. But it would be terrible to miss out some great books because you're afraid of what other people would think. Well, and it's not even what other people would think because it's not like, I mean. I'm <gasps> like, is it what I'm, you would think about yourself? Is it about almost, what you would realize about your own taste? Yes. I want to be like a smart, astute academic person. I haven't quite broken free of all the like. That does remind me that W.H. Auden, the British poet, um, said that for adult readers, there are five possible ways to feel about a book. And there's, it's great and I can tell. It's not great. I don't get it. I think I will one day. Um five reasons. I'll put them in show notes. But one of the reasons is I can tell this is not high quality literature, but darn it, I like it anyway. That's totally a choice. Yeah. Or it, it could be for you if you came to a place with yourself. The bottom line is I still would like to be less susceptible to Amazon reviews because if I see that something has, you know, not been very highly reviewed, not that Amazon reviews are like, it's only the smartest people that are leaving those. Mm -hmm. I feel that way about reviews too. When I'm reading very good or very bad reviews, I want to know who are those people leaving the reviews because I've read some terrible books recently that had really amazing reviews on Goodreads. And so after abandoning the book halfway through or suffering through to the end and feeling angry that I wasted 336 pages of my reading life, I wanted to know who were all those people that gave it a four and a half star review and how can I not read their reviews forevermore? Uh, It's tricky. Book recommendations are tricky. Lots of fun, but fraught with peril. All right. JC, that is such an interesting um, wish for your reading life. Okay. <laughs> that, hmm, that gives me thoughts about my picks. Okay. I have three books for you. We'll get right to it when we come back after the break. All right. Welcome back. JC, I can't wait to hear what you have to say about my picks for you. What I'm noticing about your books, the ones you love, the ones you didn't so much, they are heavy hitters. Like they tackle serious issues. And I notice they all carry an element of that bittersweet. And I don't just mean the Shauna Nequis book that is actually called Bittersweet. Is mm-hmm. is that on purpose? Do you notice that about your reading or is that just coincidence today? No, that's very true. I'm, I could not be a bigger fan of gray area in my reading. Ooh, I like it. I also noticed that your picks are all fairly recent releases and that you're reading across a variety of genres. You chose memoir, you chose novels, you chose nonfiction. Are those things representative of your reading in general? Yeah, I would say so. I like a varied reading life. This is fun. Okay. My first pick for you is a memoir. It's called A Homemade Life and it's by Molly Weisenberg, who many people know as a food writer at Bon Appetit. Is that a book you're familiar with? It is, and it's one that I abandoned all the way through. Oh, this is fun. Okay, tell me why you abandoned it. (laughs) Well, okay, this is going to be hard because I was reading it at a time when I was reading a lot of books because I um, was a newlywed and hadn't gotten a job yet, so I was in between like graduating college and finding a job, so I was reading a ton. It's been so long, I may like it now, you know, I and I honestly don't even remember exactly why I, I abandoned it. I could very much like a homemade life now and I am willing to pick it up again based on your recommendation. Well, 
If you did, I would love to hear what you thought because it seems to have so many of the elements you love. It's a memoir. Mm -hmm. It is, in some ways, it's very fun and light. It's about food and chocolate and marriage and restaurants in Seattle. Like, those are all fun things. But for a memoir about food, like, I was the one with the visceral, like, tears, like, gushing down my face reaction um, in the first maybe 25% of the books. Because what sets the story in motion is Molly Molly Weisenberg's father dies of bone cancer. And um, it is so sad. Just the beginning of there. There are no spoilers like that. That'll be on the jacket. Um, But the author and her father were very close. And when when he died, she didn't know what to do with herself. So she picked herself up Mm -hmm. and she went to Paris and she started a blog and um, since you have a blog, I think you'll really enjoy hearing. I don't want to say too much because I was surprised, even though it's probably on the jacket. And anybody who's read Delancey, her second book, totally knows where the story goes. But let's just say I especially loved hearing about how the Internet introduced the author to new life changing relationships back before that happened on a regular basis. So the this story will make you laugh. It'll make you cry. It'll make you want to go to Paris. Um, it'll make you want to make chocolate cake. And there's a recipe in the book and you should absolutely make it. It's amazing. Um, it's really charming. It has recipes too. It was one of the first like memoir slash cookbook uh, books that's been done and done again now and often still well, but this was one of the first. Um, it is a lot of fun. It has a lot of the elements you like. And it would be interesting to hear how reading it now compares to how you felt about it seven, eight years ago when you were in a totally different spot. You know, somebody yeah. told me recently that there's a difference between a book that's not for you and a book that's not for you right now. And that's something that I've been thinking about a lot and uh, yeah. would love to would love to write about it some later date. Okay. My second book is filled with gray it is the road by cormac mccarthy do you know anything about that's a good smart pick it is a smart pick it's a pulitzer (laughs) prize winner um no i really don't know much about it tell me about it okay first i gotta tell you the first time i read this book i kind of hated it because i thought it was incredibly depressing um Mm -hmm. i do i do bittersweet i do dark but if there's not a glimmer of light then I put it down and walk away and the setting on this one is pretty bleak it begins in the aftermath of some unspecified catastrophe we never find out exactly what happened but it wipes out civilization as we know it and most of natural life on earth and the story follows two characters a man and his son it's very eerie because they don't even have names they are the man and the boy throughout the book and they're traveling on the road they're fighting for survival they're both scavenging for food and water in the land that's been absolutely devastated and they're also hiding from the bands of dangerous marauders that are also traveling down the road and it it's really got something about it like the book does reel you in and makes you want to know it's not exactly a page turner but it's very compelling um but it's bleak but then a friend surprised me last year when we were talking about our favorite novels we'd read recently. And he asked if I'd read it. And I said, oh, it was so depressing. And he said, no, it was the most absolutely hopeful novel he had ever read. And I thought he was crazy, but I couldn't stop thinking about it. And you can read it that way. Like, it is a dark book, but it's also a very hopeful book, mostly in their relationship. And The Road really reminds me of Station Eleven. Um, Both books really have something about it. They definitely have their bleak points. But ultimately, they're both hopeful about humanity. Um, 
they are dark, but there are rays of light, especially when it comes to human relationships. My book three that I was already formulating while you were talking, I am throwing over in favor of one that explores the invisible threads that bind us all together, whether we know it or not. This book is Ursula Under. It's by Ingrid Hill. It's six or seven years old, I think. It probably pulled down a couple of prizes. It's that kind of book. It's pretty literary. Um, Mm -hmm. This novel, it's long. I got to warn you, it's over 500 pages. It's set in Michigan in 2003. And wait, who cares if it's set in 2003? So it's set in present day Michigan. And what happens is a young girl falls into a well. But according to the author, she phrases it really well. She says something like, the story began long before. Um, The idea is that all backstory is also story and also part of our story. And that those interconnected um, relationships among all people and all things are really the underside of the iceberg that explains what we see above. So during the course of her like nearly 24-hour rescue effort to get this girl out of a well, the author takes us on a wild ride to show... um, the history of this young girl and her family, like going way back to China in the third century BC and eighth century Finland and 17th century Canada and over to Sweden and 19th century California. And then you come back to Michigan when they, when they finally pull her out of the well. And at first it kind of reads like a disjointed collection of short stories, but she really brings it together. And I just really love this book for the small moments where the author will say something like, oh, like her dad didn't know when he went into the gas station that the cashier was his second cousin on his mother's side who came over from China when the big emigration happened in, you know, whatever year. Just those little moments really make the book very cool. Um, I have to warn you, it can get kind of slow in some of the places throughout the history. Don't give up in China. Keep pushing through. It's <laughs> it, it's worth it, especially if that kind of interconnectedness is something that you really relish in a story yeah okay that that's interesting I've never even heard of it so it was reckoned recommended to me by a couple of fellow readers with good taste all at the same time and what I mean is people who I know we like the similar kinds of books so unlike the anonymous Amazon reviews I felt like I could really trust those recommendations but I hadn't heard of it before someone you know specifically recommended it to me yeah so JC what are you going to read next? Okay, I think The Road, possibly A Homemade Life. I, I'll, I'll pick between those. I think mo- because I'm intrigued to revisit and see something that, because it's all about me, really. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you are in charge of your reading life. You are a trusted source for recommendations. Um, and then The Road is one that's kind of one of those ambitious, like, or at least to me, I don't know much about it, but it's one that it's like everyone's heard of it and it's kind of like, oh yeah, that's a serious book for serious people. I'll put that off, you know? And so now that it's been recommended to me, maybe it's a good time to pick it up. But Anne, I do want to say that in all seriousness, with all the reviews and, you know, things I've revealed, you are someone that I do go to regularly for book recommendations. And, uh, you know, there's, there's the Amazon reviews that maybe shouldn't, I shouldn't take so seriously um, all the time, but there are a few trusted sources online that I look to for my book lists and you are top of that, um, top of that list. So thank thank you you for everything that that. you do to impact my reading life. And this is super fun. It's like I got a personal shopper for books. Now, if I just delivered them to your doorstep. 
you'd be in business. <laughs> well, I'm glad to hear that. Thank you. But I mean, how about some pressure, JC? So I'm dying from purely self-serving reasons. I'm, I can't wait to hear what you think about these, but I'm, you know, I'm kind of nervous. I hope you like a homemade <laughs> life better the second time. But either way, I want to hear what you think. And if you, if you ditched it again, I want to hear why, because I love hearing why people abandon books. That's just as interesting as why they love them. Thanks so much for coming on and talking books with me. It was fun. Thank you so much for having me. Hey everyone, I love chatting with JC about the books that make us feel smart and not so smart and about what she loves to read. Remember, you can listen more to JC on her podcast, Around the Table, and make sure you check out her blog as well. That link will be in show notes. Before we go, don't forget to follow the show on Instagram at what should I read next? Once you do that, I'd love to hear your thoughts on the show or who else I should have on. If you're on Twitter, let me know there at Ann Bogle. That is Ann with an E, B-O-G-E-L. Okay, that's it for this episode of What Should I Read Next? As writer Maria Rilke says, ah, how good it is to be among people who are reading. Happy reading, everyone. Have you ever wished that you had a direct line to your pediatrician to ask all the questions that constantly crop up while parenting? We sure have. That's why we launched the Bites of Health podcast. Every morning, we'll answer a commonly asked pediatric question in five minutes or less. You can tune in while you're making your second cup of coffee or from the school drop-off line. So be sure to tune in to Bites of Health, streaming now. At Mysteries at Midnight, be your destination for detective whodunits and captivating mystery stories. You'll hear classic stories like Sherlock Holmes, Agatha Christie's Poirot, and short tales from H.G. Wells, Charles Dickens, Edgar Allan Poe, and others. I'm Christopher, and I read these classic stories in the soothing style of a bedtime story, so you can listen to them in bed when you drift off to sleep. Search for Mysteries at Midnight on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favourite podcast app, and follow and subscribe so you don't miss out on new episodes.